Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, a premium independent podcast where we provide a premium fan experience. Hosted by Blaine Pudnay, Treg Wilson, and Matt Smith. Our goal is to give you informative, honest hockey discussion and entertainment. If you were talking about it, so are we. Do you have a moose near the caboose that needs to be tamed? I'm talking hairy, big, and need some support. Thankfully, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Baluga! Did you hear that? That's your moose asking for Manscaped. Manscaped engineering team just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created the Lawnmower 3.0. The premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, For a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my favorite parts of this collection. The Manscaped Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. The waistband is also super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. Plus, when your girl sees this logo, she knows she's got a real Manscaped man. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered episode 102. I'm now joined by my co-hosts, Treg the Villain Wilson. Hey, everyone. <laughs> and the living thirst trap himself, Matt Smith. Good morning. <laughs> so uh, it's still the off-season. There's, there's a lot of little tidbits, little news and notes. So we're going to kind of have a, a hodgepodge episode. Nothing, no major things to talk about, but we're going to start 
right away. And we'll jump right into it. And uh, we'll start talking about Philippe Daniel and what's going on there. So, uh, Matt, you were at work all week, working 12-hour shifts. So you must know the most of any of us. What do you think? Personally, um, I, I think it would be a mistake to get rid of Deneau. I, I think that there's a contract that should be there to be signed. It's just the length of the contract and how much you're going to sign them for. Um, at this point, I don't believe Kakaniemi and Suzuki are ready to take on the one-two role just yet. And I believe that um, holding on to Deneau would be vital for this team's success moving forward. Um, you look at the points last year and – the Canadians, the Canadians are are not a team. They're 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 a they're a points by committee type team. Other than Tatar last year, who had a very good season for them, um, Deneau led in all pretty much all categories. Um, he's he's a guy that can win you faceoffs. He can play the minutes. He can play the body. He he plays the matchups very well against uh, the other team's uh, best players. We've seen that he's starting to shoot the puck a little bit more. He can make a good pass. I just don't think uh, it'd be viable right now to, to move him. It, it really makes no sense for the organization to do so. I agree. Uh, like you said, I, I do see him as being the insurance for the young centerman because he is – Deno is basically where he's going to be for the rest of his career. It, it, this is his prime. So he's – He's that reliable two-way center. I mean, he was sixth in Selkie votes. He'll get you 40 to 50 points every year. So he's, he's capable offensively, especially with um, generating puck possession. Like, we've talked about this in the past on other shows. Yeah. And the Montreal Canadiens aren't the traditional team, and especially this year with the lineup that they now have they're going to be a matchup team. So you're not going to have the traditional line one, line two type matchup, right? When you're playing against, say, Boston, you're playing against the Bergeron line, you're not going to have Suzuki against the Bergeron line. You're going to have Deneau. Same thing as if you play against Crosby. Like, you're going to, you know, we saw it during the playoffs that, you know, Suzuki played quite well against Malkin. He didn't, he did not look out of place. However, I would be personally, I would be uncomfortable watching, say, Kakiniemi match up against the Bergeron line or match up against Crosby or match up against any of these top lines. He's better suited to play against more third line type players and build up his confidence moving forward. I, I, I just think it would be the, it would be the best thing for him well, and to vault him into a top six position right now. I just think it just wouldn't make sense. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to look at training camp, but, but right now I would not break up the Dino line. And um, well, no one's going to break that line up. There's not a chance in hell they're doing that. No, so. not, a, not a chance, but it's going to be interesting to see who pairs on whose wing. Because you could argue, you could argue that Josh Anderson would look fantastic with Suzuki or Kakeniemi. 
providing well, that, providing that protection and uh, both and they can both play with speed. Sure, but here's the thing: you got a shortened season. They're uh, they can't be playing him on those hard minutes every single game because you're going to have three games and four nights, and you're going to have all this stuff. So Absolutely. you're going to have to rely on the younger guys to step up. So what they're probably going to do is just roll the lines. Yeah, they're going to try and match up as best they can, but it's better if they roll the lines, try and spread the minutes out. And if they're in a pinch, it's going to be situational. The game is close. You're going to want Deno to play those minutes. It's going to depend on the team too. It's going to depend on the team they play. There's there's some teams out there that... um, Well, we won't have to worry about the Bergeron line. Well, exactly, right? But like, let's just say say Edmonton, right? With Edmonton... We've said this in the past. Generally, if you shut down the McNavid line, that's all you need to contend with. And, well, don't, that take a, line, and, do, and don't take a penalty. McDavid is a special case because you need a full five-man unit to shut him down. That's He's true. impossible to keep up that's to. That's true. We saw in the playoffs with the Leafs, it was the same thing, right? Yeah. They, they played, whatever, $700 million worth of contract, whatever the fuck it was on their top line, and they still weren't able to, to really do anything other than other than that one game. Yeah. They woke right? up for so, a game. Yeah. That's so pretty much it. So there, there are teams that have a little bit more depth that are going to be harder to sure. play. Against, and you're going to see that matchup. But um, I think the Canadians fare quite well in an all Canadian division. But with Deno, um, his contract being up this year, if he were to remain being a Francophone from the area, he, you know, he fits a lot of PR checks in the boxes that, the Canadians and their, the media and their fans like, but uh, what would be a reasonable contract to keep them? Uh, well, that all depends. Are they paying them as a third line center? Or are they paying them as a top six center? Uh, and it's all going to depend on how well Kotkin and me and Suzuki play this year. Uh, the whole reason I think they didn't sign him yet was because of the good play of Kotkinemi and Suzuki in the playoffs, especially Suzuki throughout the f- entire year. Um, Deneau, in my opinion, is not a first-line center. He's not your prototypical first-line center, I should say. He's a good second-line center and an excellent third-line center. Uh, and he's, a, he's, a, he's your modern-day Guy Carboneau. If you, if, I mean, he's not if you understand what I'm trying to say there. He's going to want top six money. He's going to want top six money because he played top six minutes. And why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? He's he's going to sit back and say for the past three years, I've been your number one center, right? Playing number one center minutes, giving you, shutting these guys down, right? Top 10 in Selkie votes every year. Top 10 Selkie votes. Uh, Each year I've improved my point total. Uh, Well, on pace this year to have more than 50, he would have had more than 53 points this year. We had a full season he had 47, but the point I'm making is so, and why wouldn't he? However, as a GM standpoint, you can't sit there and go, yeah, I know what you've done for me, but I can't pay you six and a half million dollars, $7 million. So where's the, where's the line? How much are you willing that you think the Canadians are going to be willing to pay and how long? So what's the, what's the price point? In five and a half a, at five. Five and a half at five. Is that worth what you think is going to end up being your third line center? I think for that's an overpay for a third line center, but he's not your prototypical third line center either. 
And Montreal, like uh, Matt said, doesn't play one, two, three lines. They play matchups. Um, knowing that, knowing that he might be that he might end up transitioning into a third line center, as we're going to call it, and be more of the uh, the matchup type guy. It's going to really depend on Kakeniemi. If Kakeniemi can take this step forward, that's going to be something that the Canadians can unfortunately use against an O and say, we've got this other guy coming up. He's starting to take minutes from you. And we saw it last year with uh, Suzuki. He was starting to get some of the matchups. He was starting to get more minutes. He was starting to get penalty kill time, starting to get more time on the power play, et cetera. And he was successful at it. And he was exactly, he was successful at it. So if Kakeniemi can take his time with, um, with Asad in the, in the, the Finnish league, and jump in and be in shape and not have the year that he had last year, it might, you know, the cards might be against an O in, in terms of negotiating, but I would, I would be comfortable signing him. I'd be looking at about a four or five year deal as well, but I wouldn't, uh, I'd be looking at something about four and a half, maybe five. The, the reason I say five and a half is because you're not going to sign to know. He's not going to sign for anything less. He's looking at six, he, six he and probably, a half, seven million dollars. Yeah. He's looking at top six center money. He is. Absolutely. Top six center money. Absolutely. So if he drop down to four and a half, four million, he's going to be like maybe on a two year deal. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. if you I'm want not, him, if you want him to take less money, you got to play up this COVID thing and probably give him longer term. So if you want him under five, you're going to probably have to offer him a six or seven year deal. Which, which isn't bad. Dino's only 20, 27. 27. Yeah. It'll take him yeah. till he's 34. It's not a terrible contract. But uh, here's the thing Dino's situation is he wants to sign a contract now. And the yeah. reason he wants to sign a contract now is because he may not be able to afford to have a season where Kotyanemi and Suzuki may be able to play him. Well, there's and, that. There's I mean, that. If you think about it, like Suzuki, you already know Suzuki's probably going to overtake him within the next couple of years. Yeah. You already it might, know. That. It might even be next year. Honestly. Could be. Yeah. Kakinemi's the guy that he got to look at and say, all right, as of right now, I'm still higher oh, on the depth yeah, chart. He's definitely, he's definitely above Kakinemi. Right? 100%. However, if he plays like he did in Laval last year and Asat this year, mm-hmm. right? You know, if he plays as well as he did with Asporn this year. Well, then, uh, here's the thing with Deno. Back on Deno, we're going to get to Cottenham yeah. soon. But with Deno, can the Canadians just let him play out the year and let him walk for nothing? Or no? would that be seen as a failure? No. It would be a failure, for sure. If, if they can't sign him, whether they're in the playoffs or out of the playoffs, he's being traded at the trade deadline. they got to get something for him, yeah. What if they don't? Uh, if they don't trade him at the trade deadline, keep him as an own rental... It, and he doesn't sign with them at then the end of that. Then they yeah. lose him. So is that a failure? It, it's going to depend on how – How well they do in the playoffs. Well, it's going well, to depend on how ready Kakaniemi is. Yeah. I, well, I if don't they're have, not going to sign I, him. I don't have any issue – like, I don't, I don't foresee any issues with, with Suzuki. As the year progressed, he made a, he made a step – every step of the way throughout the season into the playoffs, et cetera. He was one of the most exciting players to watch for the Canadians. I just don't see, as I said, I don't see a situation where 
Kakaniemi's ready to take Dano's. But if they if they don't sign Dano, if they let him walk, clearly then, then they've got to the, look uh, the scenarios were all were thrown around. <laughs> if they it's, let him walk, they gotta they gotta bring somebody else in. Yeah, they don't have anybody within the organization. If they right let him walk, ready. if they let him walk without filling the position, then it's a failure. Yeah, they they'll they would need to either make a trade or sign a free agent. Because he's looking at he, he, so Bergevin has spent to the cap this year. He has to look ahead at what he has coming up next year. So uh, Kotniemi's going to need a contract. Suzuki's going to need one the year after that. Uh, Tatar is up for a deal. Deno is up for his deal. So he's going to have to make decisions on who to keep and yeah, how much Lekanen, money to spend. Lekanen, Armia. Lekanen, Armia. This is the year where he has to make a decision on keeping anyone or letting them walk. And I yeah. don't see them keeping both Tatar and Deno. Maybe I don't think Tatar stay in. Personally, I don't think Tatar stay. And that's the thing. Like, how much money do you give Deno if you want to keep him? Clearly, he would be the one anyone would pick over Tatar because he's a center, because he provides that support. But how much do you pay? So you I, you say five and a half, uh, Matt. You say about four and a half to five. Four and a half to five. Yeah. Yeah. If um, for me, it's going to depend on maybe if they can move out. Um, and I'm and I'm going to use uh, Seattle as a uh, as maybe a a partner for this. If they can, if if the Canadians can say, "Hey, don't touch this guy. We want you to take this guy and kind of make a backdoor deal." If they can move out, and nothing against this player, it's just his contract isn't all there right now for what he's provided lately. Is Paul Byron? If they can move out Paul Byron's three point four million dollar cap hit and say, here's a prospect, here's another player, here's a draft pick, whatever, is the Canadians do have an abundance, and I mean fucking abundance of draft picks next year. Um, yeah, that, I could see, that I could see that as a possibility, and that would free up some space right there that, well, there's three 3.4 that you can play with right off the bat that you can maybe negotiate a better contract for some of these guys that are in need of a contract. I think Byron's on the hot seat now anyway, regardless of whether yeah. you wait till Vegas. I, I, I'm not even sure if Byron makes it through the season. But uh, or even you know, start the thing the about Tatar, and I know we're talking about Deneau, but this kind of goes, is Tatar's already 30 years old. And he's kind of having this resurgence in Montreal, 58 points last year, 61 and 68 games this year. But he's not really a 60-point player like he's not. Uh, he's more of a 40- to 50-point player. So the issue I have with Tatar, if you sign him to a deal, he's going to want a long-term deal. He's 30, he'll be 31. He's going to want a five-, six-year deal to take him to his retirement or to the end of his career. And uh, he's not going to sustain a 60-point. No, and he's going to want first-line money, right? which now, would be if, a waste in about three years. Correct. Or less. Yeah. And then you've got to look at Deneau, who's 27. Uh, he's basically only been in the NHL for four years now, right? Came in and the first full season was 16-17. Uh, he pretty so, much didn't do anything until he joined Montreal. Who? Yeah. Tatar? No, Deneau. Deneau. Yeah. Because well, he, no, really, he, 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 he never really, really played in role. Chicago. Yeah, he no. didn't really have the role. He only played 32 games in Chicago, so... Yeah. He, exactly. he he made the jump professionally. Let's just say that. Yeah. 
and took the next step when he joined the Canadians. I mean, uh, and so the thing with the thing with Deneau is, if you're going to sign one or the other, Deneau would be the better signing. The problem is, is Deneau's going to want the six and a half. He's going to want the top six center money, and it's not the contract's just not going to be worth it. And you're going to get the fans; they're going to complain about the contract if they sign him, and they're going to complain if they don't sign him. So, it's a lose-lose situation from a general manager's point of view, or a win-win. If sure, if he he's never scored more than thirteen goals, so if we sign him, all of a sudden he becomes a twenty twenty-five goal scorer with seventy points. It's win-win, but he, he won't. But that's a first line. That's a top six center. That's what a top six center does. He's a, he's a guy that's going to play defense and give you about forty-five points. Third line center. Yeah. So I would I would probably offer a little bit of a raise on what he's making now, but give him more term which means you'd tie him up for a longer period of time. He can play that role for a longer period of time. And let's not forget, he is playing in his hometown. He's in your family. He has a young family. Uh, so he's got support systems in place in that town with his own family. His wife is from there. Her family's from there. These are all things that'll play into his decision. Uh, clearly he's going to want to make as much as he can, but if you offer him, a two-year deal at eight million, or you offer him a five-year deal making seventeen million, he's obviously going to pick the seventeen million. Ah. So, I guess we'll we'll just leave it at that, and we'll say, yeah, if he doesn't stay, if they just let him walk, it could be a failure, and we'll leave it at that. So, we talked about, we were kind of alluding to some of the prospects because he was supporting guys like Kotniemi. And I'm going to use it to transition to Caulfield. The, uh, if you, depending on who you ask, if it's uh, Leafs Twitter, he's a, co- a complete bust. He's a useless hockey player. He has no Nick Robertson. So <laughs> Caulfield just uh, – what do you think? Who's going to – who do you want to start? Matt, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I think Caulfield is a – bright shining star on a very terrible Wisconsin team. I've, I've been able to watch a couple games now and um, the, uh, the deficiencies in that lineup and the holes really do show. I don't think Caulfield's looked bad. I think the team around him has definitely looked terrible. Um, He's got his looks. He's got his chances He's leading the NCAA in shots by a lot, uh, like a huge margin. And um, he's a point a game player this year. He's already over a point a game this year. I know it's only a 10 game sample, but he's got six and six right now in 10 games. He's um, he looks stronger on the puck. He looks better defensively. He's pursuing the puck a lot more, but he's still generating those offensive chances, getting shots on net. I don't see an issue and Leafs Twitter can, you know, can go fuck off really with all their, with all their comments that they're making. Um, he's, because said, they're he's, the, jealous. He's, he's the bright, honestly, he's the bright spot on the team right now. Um, and I'll just kind of segue a little bit into uh, Jack, Jack Gorniak as well. He's, he's been kind of shuffled into a, into a higher role this year because of the lack of offense with, um, Wisconsin and he's got eight points in 10 games. So 
he's looked good. And um, if you guys saw the game the other night, it was probably his best game and it was Caulfield's best game of the year. Um, a lot of people are saying that Wisconsin isn't the team that they are right now due to Dylan Holloway not being there. But you can't just look at one player and say, yeah, Holloway did look good. He had, you know, a couple of goals in a couple of games. But even having um, Dylan Holloway in the lineup right now, who's currently away on the uh, World Junior um, Selection Camp, I don't see this as a better team to bring you to that level. So no. to answer your question about Caulfield, I am not worried about him whatsoever. He's going to look good at the juniors. They're going to actually play him the way he was supposed to be last year. And I can see his name being uh, on the score sheet quite often. Well, the world juniors are probably what's going to make the decision for most fans. <clears throat> but in watching, I've watched about eight of his games this year. Um, he had a couple of really, really bad games uh, against ASU last weekend. And people saw that on national TV. Yeah. So right away, oh, he's degrading. He's doing it. No, he is on a horrible hockey team and it's in large part not uh, due to the lack of players. So Dylan Holloway's out. He's been out pretty much the entire season yep. uh, for the last week and a half to two weeks. They have been without five of their top nine skaters because yep. they've gotten COVID. So Straight. they've been, they've been isolated. So they're... including their, including the center that started the year with him. Yes. With, uh, and... with uh, Ty Pelton. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you're missing six players right off the top. And they were all starters. Um, and you're skating many games with, they had what, three games in a row where they played nine forwards. Yeah. And they were playing backup, backup defensemen and forward. Yeah. And forward so roles. you've got yeah. not, you got nine forwards playing a game. So yeah, Caulfield's getting a ton of ice time, but it's not like he's got high end, skill level to play with That's so right. he's the one generating all the chances they played as we record it's saturday morning december 5th um they played last night and he got a goal and two assists on a line with jack orniak and his brother brock so and that line really really did well but that was after weisbach got hit from uh, got hit pretty hard uh after following up a shot and had to be taken off the uh taken off the ice and never came back so maybe he's out injured for a long term. We don't know. And Weisbach was their top centerman that played with Caulfield while everybody else is out hurt. So they're down another player. So yeah, this team is just decimated and Caulfield is still putting up points. It has a lot to do with his off season where he put in all the extra work. He's, he's stronger. He's better defensively, like you've mentioned. So for me, seeing that progression with all this stuff going on just makes me um, more certain that he's going to perform well eventually in the NHL. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I've pretty much like you, Blaine, I've pretty, I think I've watched eight or nine games of uh, uh, Wisconsin. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a box where I can watch American uh, uh Hockey sports channels. Uh, I didn't find his his first game against ASU was terrible. I didn't find the second game all that bad, personally. Uh, 
he he was the problem was I found he was just trying to do too much. He was trying to create all the offense by himself. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it it hurt. Um, I will say this though: uh, we learned that he can take a hit and come back, and he's thrown a few hits. And it's not bad for a guy who's only my height, five eight. So, uh, um, to say that, like everyone is, is sitting there worried about whether or not Cotkin or not uh, Caulfield's going to be killed in the NHL, mind you. NCAA is different than the NHL, yes. But if anyone saw that hit he took in the third game, I think, of the season, uh, that was a major league hit. That wasn't just uh, – that was a major league hit. Mind you, he left the game, but he came back the very next game with no ill effects. No, he was he stayed on the bench. Oh, correct. Yes, he stayed yeah. on the bench. But he, 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 he had played, no ill he, effects. The no, next he, played a, he played his next shift. Yeah. So uh, – to me, that's all positive signs. Uh, the way he's playing, he I've always said, and you guys will attest to this, is you don't go to the next level unless you've done everything you can or dominated the level that you're at now. And I think he's well on his way to probably next year, next season, maybe making that leap to the AHL slash NHL. Question is, where does he play in the NHL? Because right wing seems to be pretty uh, full. I, he could play left, I suppose. Right now, uh, there's no position for him at the NHL level. There, there's none. And I'm I okay. Think with, yeah. I think that's why they asked uh, Toffoli if he likes this, the left wing or not. Yeah. 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 Well, that has a lot to do with Armia as well. But, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, but that's another question. Armia needs to be signed next season. If Caulfield's ready, do you, do you say, you know what? We don't need Armia because we're going to throw Caulfield in. Personally, I have no issue with Caulfield playing a year in the AHL. I'm and, good with that too. And for people who are sitting there saying, oh, well, we drafted this guy. There's certain prospects you can bring in right away. And there's certain prospects that you got to let come naturally through the yeah. system. And it, it's not a, a shot. It's not a, uh, a bad thing with some prospects to do that. Uh, you just got to, I mean, I know you have the Leaf fans going, oh, well, Nick Robertson, he, he, he scored a goal in practice. And, uh, you know, and, and Caulfield hasn't even played the NHL yet. I'm perfectly okay with that. And I'm not taking anything but Nick from Nick Robertson. I, I think he's going to be an okay player for the Leafs. I don't think he's better than Cole Caulfield. Uh, and Dylan Holloway. The one, the one thing that people aren't talking about either is when you, when you have guys in the NCAA, they're, they can't go to these – like you can't bring them to these training camps because it's oh. out. Yeah. Right. So, so people are like, Oh, he hasn't even done this with the Canadians. He hasn't even done this with Laval. He hasn't even done this at camp. He's not allowed. He can't. Right. So unless, unless he signs unless an entry level contract. contract. Exactly. And yep. he's already said, I want to stay in Wisconsin. I want to stay with my brother. I want this. I want that. Because a lot of us were like, if COVID measures continue to fuck with the season is he going to stay with wisconsin is he going to go to the ohl etc and we had a long discussion about this so yeah robertson i i can see him being a beneficial player for the leafs long term i don't think as i said i don't think he's going to be better than coffee i think he's going to be a third line player on the leafs well, they're different kinds of players anyway. But, they, he, can, totally. but he can score in practice, and that's all. Sure. Um, he has a goal in the playoff. Or the play-in, yeah. 
prospects or whatever you want. Moving on to Canadians prospects (laughs) because fuck the Leafs. Um, So Romanov is on his way up. The Canadians have Romanov coming. He's highly touted. Everyone's excited. Even, (laughs) Even Luke Richardson is pumping his tires. I don't know if this is good or bad. So Robertson, uh, Luke uh, Robertson, Luke Richardson, Luke Richardson, my apologies. Uh, he said, uh, at this point in time, based on what I've seen, I'm not scared at all that he's not able to do any kind of job in the NHL. Uh, we don't want to put too much pressure on him. He's such a competitive guy. I think he'll do that himself. We just need to help guide him. And I think his attitude of killing plays especially will add to the way we play. We like to have the puck and he's going to play into that role for us extremely well. Um, He he does believe in his offensive game too, because he he said he can skate. He's quick. He can move. He can get up ice. He loves to shoot the puck. Everybody does nowadays, but he can really shoot the puck. So that's the way we kind of play. We'd love to add a fourth man to the rush. We love having that fourth guy coming in as a second wave because everybody defends so well now that if you can't get to the net on the first rush, a little curl up and you can get that second guy skating right in. I think we can, he can fit right into that mold and be that fourth attacker in a lot of the rushes that we'd like to use. So basically Richardson's giving away what, how the Canadians are going to end up playing. They're going to be a a high pressure team. They're going to rush a guy. They're going to have a guy stick back uh, on the blue line. And they're putting a lot on Romanov. Basically he is, he's, he's, he's pumping his tires up to the point where that, that sounds like a guy that's going to be playing in their top four. Uh, I was just going to say when you were done there, that it looks to me like Romanoff could start as Weber's partner in the top four. Uh, but that's Mete's job. Listen, if Mete can do it, any <laughs> moron can do it. Anyway, no, I, I, you know, I bash Mete way too much and rightfully. Yes, so. you do. But uh This is a fine edge sword that Richardson and the and the the management team of Montreal is walking on. And the reason I say that is if Romanov falters and doesn't live up to all this hype, this could ruin him forever. I mean simply ruin him. However, he must be bringing something because it's not like the Montreal management system to pump a prospect like this up so much you know what like julian's usually tight-lipped on you know well we know julian like julian's usually like romanoff well he'll be our seventh friggin' defenseman because he hasn't proven anything to me yet um but uh nick robertson who we've now established is not only a prospect for the leagues but the defensive coach for the canadians at the same time he's <laughs> he could do it all he can do it all he can do it all so Leafs fans were right all this time. Uh, with Richardson, uh, he's watched them in practice. They, I, I really think they're seeing exactly what they saw in him before they drafted him. And with the way he's played the last two years, the World Juniors, uh, and the way uh, he played in the KHL with the minutes he got, uh, I barely believe that he could have gotten top four minutes in the KHL if they weren't so worried about him leaving the leaving the team they knew he uh, was leaving so they, they didn't exactly so they didn't play him and and yeah. people need to realize that's how the khl works 
KHL panders to popular players and players who are going to loyalty players. So, um, and that's just the way it goes. Uh, so when it comes to Romanov, I'm hoping he's everything everyone's saying he is for not only the team's sake, but his sake. Because, you know, if he goes eight games and doesn't have a point, people are going to lose their friggin' minds, even though he's not really an offensive defenseman. But he is a puck mover, and he can uh, skate with the puck, and he can create offense in the offensive zone. Can he quarterback a power play? I have no idea. I'd have to I, – I don't know, have that much knowledge on him. He didn't do too bad with Rush in the World Junior, so we'll see what happens, uh, what happens here. Uh, but it sounds to me like they're looking at putting him on the left side with Weber. I, you know, they did it with Mete and it worked for a while until we realized how good Mete really wasn't. And uh, then uh, they moved on. I think he's a better fit than Sherratt if he's everything they say he is. Um, and then you got a question. So how does that move down? So do you have Sherratt playing with Petrie and Ebenson playing the third line, vice versa? Where does Kulak go? Where's Mete playing? Um, you know, who's on that right side on the on the bottom line? It, it's a teardown effect. No, who's on first? We we no, what's on second? Um, we uh, I mean we we've talked about this before. We talked about the defensive pairings. We all pretty much figured Romanov would start on the third line, work his way up. I believe I said by Christmas, if we had an actual regular season, he'd probably be on the top two lines. Now it sounds like he's going to start there and maybe either stay or work his way down. So it's, uh, yeah. It's going, to de- it it's going to depend on what side he starts on because they've already said that he'll, he can play the left. He can play the right. It's going to really be up to him. Well, if he's pairing with Weber, he's on the left. So yeah, hundred percent. But if, if pair with Petrie's on the left, so it's all if he's on the right, maybe you could take him and put him with Edmonston who plays more of a, defensive defensive style and that would allow him to float a little bit more but is Romanoff the guy you want to float more because he's not really uh but he's got the speed to get back he's a defensive defenseman with offensive upside not an offensive defense that's right but you know what I mean so but he's a defensive guy that has the wheels to get back I watch how he's played in the world juniors that's how he did it unlike Edmonston who He's no more of a throw you through the boards type mentality, right? So if you don't play his own defense, he's lost. Yeah, apparently. Really. But in Montreal, fortunately for us, plays his own defense. Yeah. So. Which points to the pro scouting doing its job in identifying players that would fit what they want to do. No, instead of terrible. instead yeah, of going I, out and getting Alsner, who who was losing minutes and playing, ended up getting benched in the playoffs and then paying him a giant sum. Anyway. If Romanov, if, if Romanov gets into the lineup and he is everything that the Canadians brass is pushing right now, then you're likely going to push a guy like Mete out of the, out of the organization oh, next no. year. He'll probably be gone, and, and, and you never know. if they Kulak might be the same fate with uh, guys like Fleury and uh, Juleson waiting to, uh, to, to crack the lineup full time. But if they get rid of Mete, who am I going to bitch about all the time? Yeah, you'll find somebody else. Oh, yeah. And then, and then what AHL team is Mete going to play for? Toronto. We'll Maryland. find out. We'll find out. Um, and, and 
speaking of the season coming up, uh, last night they uh, the owners and the players had their meetings, and they weren't really talking about the economics, per, uh, but they were working out how many games they're going to play, where are they going to play, um, little details like that. When the when the, when the season will start, how long it'll go. So essentially, they're uh, they're looking at a 52 to 56 game season uh, going until about mid July for the Stanley Cup, uh, with the camp starting around July 1 and the season starting around the 15th. So before all this started, we had uh, we had Lyle Richardson of Spectres Hockey come on and we talked about when we thought the seasons would start. I said around where the All Star Game would have been around the end of the J- uh, January. And it looks like that's where it's going to be. And with a Canadian division, if you're playing a 52 to 56 game schedule, you're looking at eight to 10 games against your division rivals. Don't tell me that's not going to turn into the best hockey you've ever watched. I don't think it's going to be, you know, the Edmonton Calgary type type kind of rivalry, but I think it's going to ramp up that much more for the Canadians and the Sens and the Canadians and the Leafs, et cetera. I think it's going to be more the media pushing that than what yeah. we're actually going to see on the ice. But um, I am excited to see Edmonton and Calgary play a hell of a lot more. That's for sure. Well, anytime you see these teams play each other, you know, four or five times in a year, you know that they're going to start to hate, uh, get a hate on. Calgary you're going also to have, like, known as New Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to see the Canadians playing against the Canucks 10 times this year. And, you know, you, you know that those teams are going to hate each other by the end because there's going to be these little chip shots or these little, you know, greasy hits. Like the, uh, the hit that uh, the Canucks fans are still pissed off about is Cottonyemi taking out Peterson. You do stuff Great. like that. They don't forget. It just builds and builds until there's, by the end of the season, it's going to be hardcore playoff style hockey. So this, the Canadians are built to be able to do that. So they, they could hold up well against teams like the Calgary flames who will actually be probably the winner of the division. I, uh, I agree. Montreal is built for a short season playoff type season. And I think uh, with these divisions, the way they are in the short season, uh, 52 games, it's going to be like that. I think maybe the first 10, 20 games, people knocking the rust off, it's going to be whatever. But once you get into the nitty-gritty of everything, it's going to be uh, playoff-style hockey. And a team like Montreal and Calgary, for that matter, are built for playoff-style hockey. Uh, teams like Edmonton and uh, Toronto, I think, are going to have a harder time winning games due to the fact that they're going to be smothered. Uh, like uh, Edmonton, you take out uh, McDavid's line and really you should do okay against the, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, their defense, well, cleft booms out now, so their defense isn't as good and they have absolutely no goaltending. So uh, Toronto's another team. Toronto got slower. Uh, oh, well, Toronto's a bit better, I think, for the playoffs with Simmons and Thornton as long as they stay healthy. Uh, but... Uh, Again, once you take out the Matthews line, I mean, you got Tavares and whoever he's playing with, but uh, well, the they have no year. At the start of the year, it's going to be more wide open hockey. So Correct. Toronto's going to rack up a great Toronto's going to have a great start. start. But yeah. I think as the season goes and as they wear down, 
I think Toronto's going to have a hard time. Uh, I'm not saying Toronto's going to be terrible. Don't you no, know no. any They're Toronto fans listening to this? I think Toronto's going to finish in the top three with Montreal and Calgary. So uh, that's that's I think Calgary, like Blaine, I think Calgary's winning it. I said this last year or last week when we talked with Offside uh, Hockey. Um, I think Toronto and Montreal are going to be two and three, and then it's just going to fall from there. But I don't think it's going to be that much of a gap. I don't think one to five is going to be a huge gap. I really don't. So I think this division is going to be the best division in all of hockey because every single team in this division were teams that were going to be fighting for or should be in the playoffs. The, the only issue I have is if you go on a little bit of a losing streak, you're done. Oh, yeah. Like you eight, consistently got to play 500 or better hockey the entire season or you're done. An eight-game losing Over. streak will kill you. Or two of them. Good yeah, news. but this year, no but Detroit. this year you can you can uh, you can lean more on your on your goaltending. Yeah. Than than last year, right? So. So would it's a good idea to spend a little bit of cap money on a great tandem? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, for, if you're if you're spending fourteen million on goaltending, and uh, you know, I have a, I have a I have a little guest here. <laughs> anyway if you're spending 14 million on goaltending for this year to have a great tandem because your backup's probably going to play every third game uh then that's that's not bad to do for this year then you got to hope you can sign the guy for half the money that he's already being paid oh wait i think Montreal already did that so anyway that's just the way it is what do you think little one yeah you think montreal is going to win the division yes <laughs> well you heard it here first <laughs> from the mouth of babes yeah <laughs> yeah that's a bad boy oh that's matt yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay daddy gotta do something here now or daddy pop <laughs> I'm not your dad. I'm your Awkward. grandfather. <laughs> Go okay, watch back, some Caillou. Back to hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch some Caillou. You'll love it. Bye. For all our listeners, I hope you guys got a good laugh out of that, as I sure did. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit that offline when I I'm gonna I'm gonna be using that for what? chirping you for quite a while. Why? Because I said dad, not. Yeah. Uh, well, I got used yeah. to my own kids. There's been. <laughs> So back to hockey. Back to hockey. <laughs> so well, you heard uh, it here first. Two-year-old Ava says Montreal's going to win the division. So. There we go. There you go. So her, um, going back just to, as good as ours. So going she back to the Canadians. As much as Byron Eleven does. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the Canadians. Um, we talked a little bit about prospects. Why don't we segue into the guys that um, notice them, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Sherla and uh, Carrier. Oh, it was good having them. Thanks a lot. Uh, see you guys later. <laughs> I oh. think the biggest loss is going to be Churla. Yep. Uh, I think he was instrumental in building the prospect pool the way it is. Uh, and I, I, it goes to show the class of Montreal to let him move to another team. Uh, it's pretty much the same position, just more, uh, just more responsibility in Florida he's going to have, whereas Timmons kind of, he had the title by name, but Timmons still ran the show. 
And then Florida, Churla's actually going to run the show. So we're going to see, uh, we're going to see over the next couple of years, just how much his, his input was valuable to the Canadians as the prospects come in. And then in a few years down the road, we're going to see how he builds Florida's prospect uh, prospect pool. He, he has to build the whole scouting department there because they only have like two scouts. Yeah. They fired everybody. Florida has done well in the last few years scouting. Yep. But then they fired everyone. Then they went out and they fired everybody. So for me, I think it was just a matter of time where we were going to see some of the brass start leaving the Canadians organization. We saw it with Dudley. Now we see it with Churla. Uh, LaPointe, there was a lot of talks that he could be on his way out. There was talks that Burke could be on the way out. So I can see them possibly, especially with Carrier gone as well, um, I could see them maybe promoting within to hold on to these guys a little bit longer. Martin LaPointe could take over Carrier's job. Yeah. Absolutely. So That's I could see that. I could, happen. Yeah, I could see him. I could see that happening to, to hold on to him that much longer. But the the brass for the Canadians and their their um, just their team in general has really built up in the last few years, and and other organizations have noticed that, and they've they've looked at these guys and they've looked to hire these guys, and up till this year the Canadians have been able to keep that group together. So yeah, I agree. Sherla's going to be a, uh, he's going to be a big loss, but um, the Canadians have really built a solid foundation for the, uh, the depth that they have in their, uh, their organization when it comes to um, the players they've drafted. So with, with Timmons at the helm with some help, I can't see, I can't see them, taken too much of a dip but i uh, it surely is going to be a, a loss for sure what about carrier for you guys oh well carrier he kind of ran the ahl team even though he wasn't never named ahl gm he was kind of laval's go between for bergevin and laval um i heard a guy complain one time on twitter about how when montreal was in st john's uh, Newfoundland, how Bergevin ver- barely ever went there and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of tweeted, well, when you're running an entire organization, the reason you have guys like Carrier is because they take care of other parts of it that you can't, you know. Uh, I think Montreal would have been better off making a GM for uh, the AHL personally, let him run the team and do that. Uh, but Bergevin want- wants to do it himself. I don't think Carrier... If Martin Lapointe takes the job, then fine. But I don't really see a need to really to fill that position because I think Carrier was just kind of there. I don't think he was really he was, he was kind of a guy in the background that we never really yeah. saw, never really heard of, or not heard of, but heard from. Yeah. And um, his assistant GM position was actually handed over to Timmons. Yeah. Oh yeah, he actually. So 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 his position, it kind of seemed like the Canadians weren't gonna bring him back anyway. It just kind of seemed like there were other people that were starting to fill his position. He'll be he'll you know he 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 had input in the organization, but I don't see his loss to the organization as much of one as losing Sherla to Florida. He was being pushed out, I think. 
he was he was Bergevin's sounding board. So whenever Bergevin was making decisions, he would go to Carrier and say, "Well, what do you think?" And then he would give him his two cents, and maybe he'd follow it, maybe he wouldn't. But he was because he, he was what, the, the senior advisor yeah. to hockey operations or something yeah. when he yeah. like that was his like last title. Yeah, he, he yeah. was assistant GM, and then he got kind of pushed down to senior advisor. Well, yeah. it didn't change his role any; no, just changed no, no, the no. title. Yeah, so he was still the sounding board. And he he essentially said that after 42 years of working in hockey, he he wanted a break. So the Canadians probably did offer him a, a, to to stay, and he chose to take a break. And with COVID going on and people refocusing their their reprioritizing their values, what they value most at this point in his life, maybe he saw a chance to take a break for a year spend some time with his wife and ki- wife and family. So who knows what he's going to do after this? He, he's probably going to come back to hockey in some form, maybe not with the Canadians, but I do see Churla as a big loss to the Habs over Carrier, but at the same time, Carrier did provide a valuable th- piece. Uh, so um, moving on from that, uh, we don't have a ton of time left. So there's a couple things I want to cover including a fun little game that I want to try out. But let's just go on the, uh, the latest news of Evander Kane challenging Logan Paul to a fight. How awesome is that? That's Jake Paul. Well, either Paul, but it was Jake Paul that he wants Jake, to fight. Whatever, the YouTube he'll fight, guy. He'll, but he'll said he'll fight either one of them. So I watched the fight. Um, so I watched the um, – I watched the Tyson fight. We all know that Tyson won the fight, even though it was yeah. exhibition. Even though they never, they said it was a draw. We all know it wasn't a draw. So um, the way I see it, I'm big into combat sports. I've been a UFC fan forever. I grew up watching boxing with my dad. Um, if Jake and Logan Paul, these two YouTube stars or whatever the hell they are, they're both of them are pretty much idiots in my book. Um, they're no they better keep, than podcasters. But they keep saying that this is their dream, that they want to be in a combat sports, that they want to be professional boxers. Well, if you want to be a professional boxer, start going into the, getting into the ring with somebody that can box. So, for instance, Logan Paul has fought another YouTuber. That, and they, but they called it a professional bout. Jake Paul has fought two fights, his latest being against Nate Robinson, who's an undersized 36-year-old NBA, former NBA player. So now he's saying, we'll put me up against, you know, Evander Kane, and we'll see this, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a professional bout. That's not a professional boxing bout. People are still going to watch it. I, I, I hope, honestly, I hope it doesn't happen because I just think it's just bullshit. Same thing as him calling out a guy like McGregor. He right? get killed. Right? McGregor Conor, would like, kill him. Like Conor McGregor went 10 rounds with, with Mayweather. And even though maybe Mayweather was toying with him a little bit, and yeah, Mayweather did win that fight, you get a guy with combat sports experience, boxing or not, he's going to fare very well. Um, same thing as, for instance, if you want to, if you want to start challenging guys with combat, combat sports experience, start looking at guys. If you want to fight McGregor, it's, you know what? McGregor's got the mouth. 
he will sell the shit out of that fight and make a hell of a lot of money doing it. But you want to look at guys with a boxing pedigree that also can throw down MMA, look at one of the Diaz brothers. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. But um, you want to start looking at hockey players because we are a hockey podcast, obviously. Um, you know what? Put on a little bit of weight. Start throwing down with a guy like uh, Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson or Zach Cassian or something like that. And I don't we'll think see, we can and, under and we'll see and we'll see how long you stay on your feet. I don't think we can underplay Vander Kane either because he he he's, does box in the offseason. He's fucking he's named after Vander Holyfield. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Evander Kane fight this, beat the shit out of that Paul character, and then yeah. just put stacks of money next to his ears. That'd be kind just of like funny, the, yeah. just like funny yeah. about it is it is, is Jake Paul's never actually fought a boxer yet. No, so, he hasn't. No. He's fought another YouTuber and he fought a basketball player. Yeah, and his brother did the same thing. Yeah, so uh, he's talking a lot of shit for a guy who hasn't – I mean, and if you watch the fight, which I did, neither one of them looked like they were boxers no, at all. not at all. It not looked like all. a cat fight where they got – Honestly, the best part of that was Snoop Dogg's performance and his commentary. Yeah, yeah. It's like saying, hey, Treg, you just beat up another sailor for a free sandwich. You're a pro. Like, And that has happened. So uh, <laughs> someone took a sandwich and he, he went all Alexander Semin on him. That's right. Yeah. But you know what? If, if Evander Kane wants to do this fight after, like it's obviously going to be during the off season type thing and it's going to be, you know, he's under contract. It's going to have to be allowed by the NHL. It's going to be, which I don't see it happen. I don't see it happen either because I don't see, because the NHL is going to say, okay, well, you want this fight to happen? Sponsorship, sponsor. It's going to be like the Olympics. It's going to be like sponsorship, sponsorship, sponsorship. It isn't going to be a backdoor type thing to say, yeah, we let them in. We don't want any revenue from this. But I don't about- see the NHL doing that because now it sets a precedence. Because then you're going to have a guy yeah. like Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson or someone like that's going to go, well, I want to have a boxing match with someone. Yeah. I want, that's not and, how they want to, that's not how they, they want to market the game. Either. They're trying to get fighting out of the game, not promote fighting. <clears throat> with players. So how about this? How about starting with George LaRock? LaRock has challenged Mike Tyson. So yeah. give LaRock a little warm up fight with some guy from YouTube and see what happens. George LaRock could do it. I think Tyson would destroy George LaRock, but I think Tyson would have destroyed Roy Jones Jr. if he didn't hug him the whole entire match. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, he right. wanted to see how uh, he was just checking out his earlobes. Uh, it's like, oh, that looks good. Ow, ow. But, but like, Jr. did not want to fight that fight. But like, the, la- the last thing I want to say regarding this before we move on is in regards to the Paul brothers, as I said in my opening statement about this, you say that you want to be a boxer you've got to go against a boxer. I, I grew up watching guys like Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield and the Klitschko brothers. And, you know, I remember seeing Tyson bite fucking Holyfield's ear and all that kind of stuff. I was young at the time when it happened, but I remember it happening. And, you know, boxing has really turned more into a, a YouTube spectacle than anything. And UFC, it, UFC took, all the money out of boxing right? and, and, and UFC has really taken, taken a lot from it. Yeah. So I would, you know, I challenge somebody from um, if, if the Paul brothers want to be into combat sports, if they want to look outside of boxing, get in the octagon with somebody. Well, he said he wanted to fight Conor McGregor. 
right? But he wants to do it in the boxing ring. He does Conor McGregor. Would, Conor McGregor held his own against one of the greatest boxers ever. Absolutely. That's what he said. Right, and, but but you know what? If he wants to, if he wants to showboat and he wants to do this, I guarantee you, if one of the Paul brothers was to say, "I want to look outside of boxing," you would have guys lined up wanting to fight these guys. It's all the Paul brothers are just doing this because their YouTube channels are gone to shit because everyone's protesting them for their stupidity thing. That's very true as well. I've never even heard of these idiots. And they're just looking for attention. That's that's yeah. all they're doing. I've never even heard of these two idiots before all this crap happened. So I'm, I only have because my teen daughter knew who they were and I've never watched any of their YouTubes and they don't interest me whatsoever. But, uh, I hope I want him to fight an actual fighter. That's all I want. You want to be, yeah. you want to talk smack, fight an actual fighter, knock him out, and then you can talk smack. Yeah. Until then, just shut up. Yeah. Just all he's doing is creating attention for himself. That's all he's That's doing. True. Well, That's true. Isn't that the whole point of YouTube? So yeah, I, I challenge Mark Bergevin to an arm wrestling contest, and he's <laughs> chicken shit if he doesn't accept it. <laughs> so moving on, uh, we do have a little bit of time left. Uh, do you yeah, want? I've got. I've got one more game before we go. Okay. Do you want to touch quickly on um, reverse retro? Nah. Jerseys are jerseys. It's we ugly. Touch it. We'll touch it next ugly week. Ugly in a PR move by the NHL. End of conversation. Okay. Uh, we'll touch you... it next week. We'll, we'll do a more in-depth deep dive on it. Okay. Before, but... okay, before we get into your game then, yes. um, I'll just throw in um, just some around the NHL news. Um, it looks like the Canucks owner has now cut ties with uh, Mark Donnelly. Um, for apparently he was supposed to sing the anthem at a anti-mask rally. So the Vancouver Sun actually posted this and uh, the owner of the Canucks said, uh, hey, at Vancouver Sun, change the headline to former Canucks anthem singer, hashtag wear a mask. So it looks like Donnelly is definitely out um, of Vancouver. He's been performing the anthem at Canucks game since 2001. Meh. Good riddance. So, so you know what? Like he did this to himself, to be honest. So, just wear a damn mask. Don't pull the crap that some provinces, uh, <coughs> Alberta, are doing, where their personal responsibility is being—that's th- their plan. End up filling your damn hospitals and then calling the army in to bring up Red Cross hospitals. No, if your if your plan is so poor that it causes me to be called out on a deployment and leaving my family during a pandemic to sacrifice my time and possibly my life, your plan sucks. Wear a damn mask. If, 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 if you think it's fake, still wear a mask. At the worst, you're inconveniencing yourself. If, and if you find out it's real, at best, you've prevented someone else from getting whatever you caught. So and, if you need, and if you need a good mask, go to Bauer Hockey. I've got four of them now. They're fantastic. <laughs> They're very comfortable sponsorships are available Bauer. yeah i wish i wish but if bauer wants to jump on this and sponsor me and sponsor this podcast i welcome it but they are extremely comfortable masks and they're reversible just saying well i mean i can just see the i can see the commercials now hashtag thirst trap and then there's there's matt well i could wear one i could wear one and then maybe do that um that video from dallas wearing the mask oh yeah and uh, and we can go. I've watched that video like a dozen times since you guys posted it. By the way, so. 
All right, so uh, I wanted to play one stupid little game just to just to embarrass the shit out of everybody. It has it. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no meaning. It's just because I thought it was funny, and it's amusing to me. People might hate it. I don't care. I'm gonna laugh my ass off on it. So this is gonna be a competition for points between Treg and Matt. Oh great. Oh yes. The winner gets to create their own hashtag for the Habs Unfiltered chain. You can chirp the other guy. You can do whatever you want. You win, you get the that's the hashtag, and we're gonna we're gonna share it all week. Sure. For no reason. Sure. What are we it, doing it does, again? I'm confused. Oh, I'm I haven't confused. told you what you're we're, doing yet. We're both oh. confused. <laughs> I have not given you guys any heads up whatsoever for this. This is my entertainment only. I'm being selfish. It's Christmas time, and this is my gift. All right, well, I'm taking my shirt off. Whatever. We're not on camera. Well, we are. Well, we are. <laughs> I've already seen your glass-cutting nipples. Um, all right, so basically, four points. There's five things. There's five rounds. The winner of each round gets a point. You are going to make animal sounds. The first what? animal sound. Yes. You're going to imitate an animal. And, the, and I decide who's the winner. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is going to be fun. So the first animal that you guys are going to compete for are baby chicks. I want to hear the sounds of baby chicks. Go ahead, Trey. Uh, <laughs> oh my Matt, god Matt what about you I, I, I don't know if I can oh my god uh, I don't even I think I'm just going to give him the win <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't think I can go better than that okay Treg has one point uh, <laughs> point to Treg alright second animal the donkey. <laughs> Matt, you start. Oh my fuck. <laughs> so the donkey is in the ass? The donkey uh, is in the ass. Uh, this is fake news. So I will win the election. It's all fake. <laughs> my best donkey. It's a close, it's a toss up. I mean, give that one to Matt. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. The third animal. Trag, you go first this time. The seagull. Uh, seagull. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you got this one, buddy. <laughs> so I'm not even going to make a sound. I'm going to do another sponsorship thing. So, I'm gonna, so I have a bottle here from Magnetic Hill Winery called the tipsy seagull if you guys are on the east coast which you guys are go to magnetic hill winery and check out the tipsy seagull sangria it's fucking phenomenal weak i'm giving no points to either of you <laughs> none the fourth animal matt you're gonna start on this one. Oh, great the hyena i don't even know what a hyena sounds like didn't you watch the lion king I, I've I've watched the cartoon one. <laughs> yeah. They didn't make sounds. They talked. 
I would, I don't, I honestly have no idea. So I'll, I'll pass. I have no idea what they sound like. Well, then I'll just go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Point to Treg. <laughs> and the final. The Matt, this, it's all on you, brother. You need okay. this one. You need this one. Mm-hmm. If you don't, Treg is probably going to take it. Okay. The final animal, the orca. Orca? Orca? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Matt, you haven't made a sound yet. I made one sound. Oh, okay. I'm giving Treg the win. It's like, that's all I can do. <laughs> uh, I'm falling you know, out of my chair I'm laughing. Champion. <laughs> Well, we need to hear Treg do the orca to win to pick up the win. Yeah, do the orca, brother. Uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what an orca sounds like. Uh, don't they click like click 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 like? I don't know. Think of your marine mammal mitigation. Arrgh. <laughs> 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 Sounded like a really sad dog. Uh, <laughs> you got to be put down after that sound. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, the, fact right. that I, the fact that I picked up uh, picked up one point, and I was able to uh, somehow have a seagull reference ready. I think you were prepared. I think this was this was. Uh, I was not prepared. I was not prepared. Fixed. Yeah, tipsy seagull. I made, I made like this it. shit up this morning. I thought, okay. what kind of stupid crap can I get these two idiots to do today? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I had fun. You could have picked animals that we actually like heard them make noises. No. Why? That makes it less fun. And I still think my ass was better than his ass. Yeah, was it's, it was definitely a bigger sound. Yeah. More sound out of your ass. It was a bigger ass. <laughs> All right. So I think we'll end the show there. How do we let this show go to shit with Matt here? <laughs> <laughs> no idea <laughs> it's the off season come on let, uh, give give daddy his fun so we'll uh we'll see what kind of crazy ass hashtag you come up with that we're all going to be sharing this week uh. and on that note uh thank you for listening we will uh we will see you next week Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No-Name Hockey. No-Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No-Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no names and players currently making a name.
And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.